Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, June 20th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back longtime Chicago journalist and veteran media and political consultant with the Publicity Works, Delmarie Cobb. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. It's all at ChicagoReader.com. And if you want more from Ben Jarofsky, just follow that ChicagoReader.com on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this South Side Bears Tuesday, and here's why. Man, it's going to be a deep dive. Just follow me on this, ladies and gentlemen. So as everybody knows, I'm very much torn on the issue of subsidizing or helping the Bears pay for a new stadium. And part of this is because I'm a long, 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 long time Bear fan. goes back to the 60s with my illogical love for the Chicago Bears. And more or less, I believe in the concept of a meritocracy. I know we don't practice it in our country, but I believe in the concept of meritocracy. Good behavior and excellence should be rewarded. Mediocrity, mediocrity and bad behavior should not be rewarded. I know a lot of you aren't football fans out there. I'm just going to tell you something straight. The Chicago Bears are one of the most mediocre, and that's putting it mildly, football teams in America. I could, I would go so far as to say they're one of the most god-awful football teams in America. Okay? Bear fans, every year we get all optimistic. This is the year. They're going to do it this year. Justin Fields, I feel. Last year, they were god-awful. I forget what the record. Three and 14, I forget. I can't remember the record. It was awful. So they're terrible. They don't deserve, they don't warrant a nickel of your money. On the other hand, Delmarie Cobb wrote a column which got me thinking in a new way. Good friend of the show sitting right here listening to me. Delmarie Cobb wrote a uh, Delmarie column. Delmarie <laughs> Cobb wrote a column in which he advocated for the Bears. Hey, Bears. Why don't you look at the old U.S. Seals Southwark site at 83rd and the Lake? Huge abandoned land that was left years and years ago. It's now vacated where the steel mill used to be. Why don't you build your stadium on the south side? And I thought, you know what? If we are going to invest public dollars in the Chicago Bears, why not put it on the south side of Chicago? Why not put it on the lakefront, on the site where Steelworks used to be? Why not give a chunk of investment to a community that's generally overlooked? I'm like, 
you know, it kind of makes sense. So I called Delmarie. Hey, Delmarie, come on the show. We're going to talk about this. Okay, okay. Well, about two days later, <laughs> dude, I'm showing Delmarie. Two <laughs> days later, my beloved bright one, Chicago Sun-Times, home-delivered. Yeah, I'm still supporting you, Sun-Times. You're welcome. Comes to my door with a column by David Roeder, who is the business reporter or columnist. Bear Stadium call gets tougher. It really comes down to Arlington Heights versus Soldier Field with one gaining momentum. So essentially, this is a, a column advocating Soldier Field as the site. In other words, redoing Soldier Field to satisfy the Bears. Uh, and in this column, David Roder writes, and I quote, People always mention the former U.S. Steel South Works property at 83rd Street and the lakefront as a possibility. And at more than 400 acres, it would seem to offer the Bears all the room needed with great views of downtown. But the McCaskey family that owns the Bears is not headed to the Southside Lakefront, which is far from many fans and has no easy highway access. That leaves Soldier Field. I'm like, what is with this weird city that I've chosen to live in? <laughs> Why is it that anytime anyone mentions giving a shot in the arm to a long overlooked South side, even worse, our West side community. The powers of being in this town go, oh, you can't do that. That would be, <laughs> that would be wrong. And then they always try to get like out realistic you. There's no way the McCaskies are going to go there. I got news for you. The McCaskies are going to follow the dollar. If that's where the money is, if that's where they're going to get paid to put their stadium, that's where they're going to go. It's not like, no, the McCaskies would rather pass up one point whatever billion dollars the city of Chicago is handing over to them to go, I don't know, someplace where they're not going to get one point billion. And I call Sue Garza, my old friend, Sue Sadlowski Garza, uh, the former alder woman from the 10th Ward. I'm going to bring her back on the show. She says she's raring to come on the show, but she's going, I, she's going out of town. I got her. As she was leaving, and I read her this quote about uh, the site being far from fans and no easy high, highway access. Next thing you know, she and her husband, Raul, who are driving her, are filling me in. These are people who grew up on the southeast side, ladies and gentlemen. They know it better than anyone. No easy highway access? Are you kidding me? It's five blocks away from the Skyway. There's an exit literally five blocks away, okay? There's a metro stop right down the street. Sue started reminiscing about the time that Dave Matthews Band played a concert there. And it came back, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, people, took, people went to the metro stop and walked to the lakefront. And just like, guess this, folks, it's going to blow your little minds. People take the train downtown to Chicago and walk to Soldier Field. There's no easy L access right next to Soldier Field. You got to walk. <laughs> you got to brave the cold, the wind, the rain. Got to be a tough fair fan. Aren't we tough? It's really no different. It's absolutely really, I'm, I'm telling you right now, in terms of, transportation, public transportation, in terms of highway access. And by the way, we just spent all this money, well, not just, but about 20 years ago, Delmarie knows the, knows the dates better than I do, <laughs> redoing South Lakeshore Drive. Literally, you could drive, you just take South Lakeshore Drive. Whenever I go to the 10th Ward, I just take, I don't even go on the highway. 
It's a beautiful row right near the lake. Get to look at the lake. Go by the South Shore Country Club. I'm like, why is it that the city of Chicago just has this instinctive need, almost desire to shut off the bait about investing in communities that really need the investment? If we're going to waste a billion or so dollars, and that's what Sue told me, like, you're going to have to sink some money in there because of the infrastructure. You're going to have to build plumbing. Oh, my goodness. She filled my ear with all the things you're going to have to do. So it's going to cost money. It's going to cost money wherever they go. They're going to have that big bear paw out looking for a handout wherever they go. So if you're going to give my handout, why don't you give my handout to invest in a community that really needs it as opposed to investing in a community that already has it? That's the question I have. Without further ado, I'm going to turn things over. To the great Delmarie Cobb. I know she's fired up. Delmarie, first of all, welcome back. Thank you for being here. Thank I you. I was, was going to reach out to you immediately. And here's what the, the, the lead sentence. People always mention the former U.S. Steel South Works. I think the people in that sentence is Delmarie Cobb, as in she mentioned it about two days before this column came out. So let's start with your general thoughts about the instinctive poo-pooing of any site on the south side for the Bears, go. No, that's the way the, as you just said, that's the way the city works. I mean, the moment you say anything that would make sense or that would um, spur economic justice and economic equity, suddenly everybody loses their vision. I mean, what kills me is that here's a city that idolizes have no make no small plans except if it's on the south side and west side <laughs> then you can make all the small plans you want <laughs> oh, Lord, and so i just find that's so amazing <laughs> make no small plans unless it's on the south side <laughs> yeah so, you know here's a city we're a city of visionaries i mean everything about this city the architecture everything about the city is is a city of visionaries except all the vision goes out the window when you're talking about the south side when white people look at us and i mean and i've experienced it on my own on uh, one-in-one relationships talking to people i mean it's just amazing sometimes uh, when you have these conversations and you go, what is it that you're seeing that I don't see? And, or you don't see that I see. I mean, it's just amazing. Even when I wrote the column, the only negative feedback I got were from my white readers. And the black people were like, wow, what a great idea. Oh, this would be wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. Except other black people who said, well, because it's on the South side, you know, it ain't never going to happen. Delbury. Yeah. I said, yeah, but you got to put it out there. Well, one of the things uh, that I had a really laugh at uh, about, uh, what did he say uh, in this column um, was, oh, uh, which is far away uh, from many fans. I'm like, listen, one thing about the bears, they're one of the few institutions in the city of Chicago or things in the city of Chicago that actually cross racial lines. This is the one of the amazing thing about the bears. White people like the bears, black people like the bears. 
MAGA likes the Bears. Lefties <laughs> like the Bears. If you're a football fan, you got no choice. You like the Bears. And it's brand new. Pretty much everybody remembers 85, if, obviously, if you're old enough. And if you're not, you probably have it drilled into you by a parent. Is it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The 85 Bears that won the Super Bowl with the, the punky QB and Walter Payton in the fridge. And yet it's like this notion that there are no Bear fans on the south side of Chicago or in the south suburbs. Well, Help I me just, out with that. I just find it incredible to hear that. First of all, as you said, I mean, we've seen football supplant baseball in the black community in terms of popularity. And I often call the NFL the Negro Football League because there's so many black players that I don't understand. I mean, I didn't understand when Trump was attacking all the black people, all the black football players for taking a knee. And I'm thinking, you know, and, and here the, the, the football commissioner wasn't defending them. He was he was acquiescing to Donald Trump. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the Negro Football League. Why aren't you defending your players? <laughs> well, see, now that that's a whole other topic I could I could spend an hour on that <laughs> line that uh, the NFL walks between MAGA and black people when it comes to their uh, sport. And I remember this one in the old days when it was the Monday Night Football. What's his name? Hank Williams the third, I think it was, with the opening song. And this man has written some of the most vilest, racist songs uh, going around about Barack Obama and a virulent right winger. But they put him out there singing the song for Monday Night Football, Delmarie, because they wanted to assure. I'm telling you, I know how their brains work. They wanted to assure. They didn't call him MAGA in those days. But MAGA viewers, that even if the players were mostly black, I think 70% of the football league is black, this is a league for you, too. So they always, they walked that fine line. And so when Colin Kaepernick took the knee, that had the potential to really turn off the white audience. And Trump was advocating for them to ditch the football. They didn't really ditch it, by the way. They're addicted to football. But do you understand what I'm saying? That's that delicate line they were walking. Well, you know, I mean, it was so much, um, so many dog whistles during that whole thing in terms of, Trump saying, you know, you're fired. Um, and, you know, and, you know, all of that. And, and as black people, I mean, we're so used to the dog whistles. We know them. We hear them. You know, you don't have to say them. We know what you're saying. You know, go back to where you came from. Uh, if you don't like America, go leave it. We know what they were saying. You know, go back to Africa. I mean, and as long as I mean, what's so sad is as long as black people are entertaining people, as long as we're gladiators on the field, we're right where we're supposed to be. And so we don't have any problem with you as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, which is entertain us. And so and so that's that's what it's all about. And once again, the idea that we would build a stadium that would help your community. Why would we do that? Uh, here's a win win situation. You're on the lakefront. You're still on the lakefront. I mean, you know, first of all, this property on the lakefront, if it were north, wouldn't be available, wouldn't have been available 10 months, <laughs> let alone almost 10 decades, you know, however many decades it's been. And, you know, and when you talk about the amount of money it would take to 
remediated because it was a steel plant. Um, you, you know, we, Rahm Emanuel, his parting uh, action was to give $2.4 billion to two projects on the north side, Lincoln Yards and Project 78 for infrastructure improvements. The, st the state legislature approved $100 million to close Cornell Drive for the Obama Library. And so that's, that's what TIF money is for, to incentivize developers to build in disadvantaged and blighted communities. That's what TIF money is for, not to give to rich developers, which is what we continue to do. All right. So uh, or to gentrify already gentrified right. neighborhoods. All right. So let me uh, uh, why don't you take the opportunity to advance the arguments you made uh, in your column, which I urge everybody to check out, by the way. Uh, so what are the advantages? I'm very skeptical. I'm a skeptical audience. So win me over. If the city of Chicago were to say, all right, we're going to invest a billion dollars in this area to prepare for a bear stadium. Like we've invested a billion dollars uh, in uh, on the north side for Lincoln Yards. Uh, what do you think the collateral benefits would be for the south side of Chicago? Go. Well, can you imagine the development that would be created around that area? Uh, you know, that was another argument. Well, there's been no development around uh, other other stadiums, but first of all. The Bears are getting ready to develop their own district, much like what the Ricketts are doing with Wrigley Field. And so they're talking about an entertainment center. They're talking about a hotel, hotels. They're talking about restaurants. They're talking about sports book. They're talking about everything they can think of, multiple revenue streams to make them richer, which would in turn make the community richer because it would give so many more job possibilities at every skill level. And that's what you want. You want to employ people at every skill level so that you can lift people out of poverty and give them options that they wouldn't otherwise have. And so why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, one of the things Ted Phillips said, the former CEO said that he wanted the, the reason they were looking at Arlington Heights is because they wanted something that was transformational. Well, talk about transformational. How is it transformational making an already rich community richer? <laughs> what is transformational about that? Or making a rich family richer? Uh, what would be transformational is what they would then do over on the South Side. That would be transformational because you would transform that community. You would transform lives. You would transform generations. You would transform dreams. I mean, that's transformational. What they're talking about isn't transformational. And, and I go back to what somebody reminded me that um, uh, uh, old man Daly said, is you may be the Arlington Heights <laughs> bear, but you won't be the Chicago bears. Yeah. No, I, about uh, the only thing I agree with old man Daly on when he said that, I remember, <laughs> I remember that way back. <laughs> yeah. You'll be, yeah. You go to Arlington Heights, but uh, you won't be the Chicago bear. The bears think that that's back in the seventies, ladies and gentlemen, that's how long the bears have been dreaming of going to getting out of Chicago, going to Arlington Heights. Uh, and um, all right, I'll push back with you and get your response. Okay. Uh, bears play with preseason 10 games a year. Okay, eight home games, two preseason home games, 10. Uh, 
yeah, you could say, well, Ben, they'd make, play more if they make the playoffs. I'll just go back to where I started the show. One of the worst teams in football. Uh, but maybe one day they will make the playoffs. Let's just assume it's just 10 games. So how would a 10-game schedule out of a 365-day year be year-round enrichment for a community? Well, once again, using their own quote, uh, not only Ted Phillips' quote, but also Kevin Warren, who replaced him, said they want a 365-day-a-year venue. Well, if you've got a dome stadium, you now have a 365-day-a-year venue, and you have the possibility of a Super Bowl, but you have also other other um, experiences that you can bring inside the dome when they're not playing. And that's the other aspect of why they don't want to be a soldier field anymore is they want more of an audience, 60,000 versus far more than that, that they can have at the new stadium, a dome stadium, meaning that they can play all uh, in, in, in whatever bad weather there is. And people like me will then go <laughs> because I won't go in 30, 30 degrees below zero weather. That is not me. And so, so they, I mean, it just changes everything in terms of what the possibilities are for them. And believe me, when they were at the drawing board looking at Arlington Heights and talking about making it a 365-day-a-year experience, they can take those same plans and move them to the south side and have the same vision and dreams and reality that they were, are thinking about for Arlington Heights. Mm. And what would you like to else the Bears to offer the city of Chicago, aside from uh, you know uh, playing on the south side? Uh, and we got into this a little bit with Cam Bucker. Uh, when he, every time he comes on the show, we get into this. Actually, it's one of his favorite topics. I believe he's your state rep, Cam Bucker. Yes, he's um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, so he has his whole vision of what he would want expect from the Bears, the contribution he would expect from the Bears uh, to make to the city of Chicago in exchange for all the tax dollars that we would be giving them to prepare the site for their stadium or prepare any site for their stadium. They're going to have that big bear paw out. So what would you expect, uh, Delmarie, in terms of a community benefits agreement from the Chicago Bears? No, what I would expect, I would expect that you just said it, a community benefits agreement, uh, that th there would be X amount of pe uh, percentage of people from the community who would be hired for all the jobs at every level. And, and that would be the main thing because that would transform the community right then and there. If, if, you, if, you, if you don't even have to give a, another revenue stream, I mean, it's great if you could in the in the community benefits agreement. But even if you didn't, the fact that you would be creating a district that compared to what's there now, and I don't mean just the vacant site. I'm talking about all around the area, uh, what that would do for the community in terms of homes, in terms of living conditions, in terms of the violence, in terms of jobs, in terms of tax base, in terms of sales taxes, all of that not only would benefit the community, it would benefit the city of Chicago. Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, I, 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 I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this is pretty much the only site 
well, maybe some West Side sites uh, that I would. I, I'm inching towards saying this that I, that I would consider supporting when it comes to a handout to the Bears, uh, and on this I have a personal affinity for this site. Uh, Sue Sadowski Garza and I walked this site a few years back when I was doing a couple stories about her, uh, and I'm like, oh my god! I took pictures, Del Marie. I'm like, you can see the loop. You know what I mean? You're like right there. You can see the lake, uh, the the um, like the planetarium, et cetera, and so forth from the south side vantage. Mm-hmm. You're right there on the lake. And it's like you said, if this was the north side, man, they were developers scrambling over, like trampling each other to get at it. And then they got these ore walls. I could go on and on about the ore <laughs> walls, which is where they used to store the ore that when the big ships would come uh, and I'm like, there's huge. I don't think they. I don't. I don't think they can knock these suckers down. They're so big and strong. But that is like a, a special attraction to the, in its own weird way. It makes it cool, and I just fell in love with the site. I'm like, why are we not spending our time developing this site? And I watched how many deals go down, uh, that that never took advantage of this the Obama, uh, library, the Lucas Museum trying to think of any other deals and well and any bear stadium you know it's just like that ah, doesn't exist it's and that's it's, why when i was and the reason i thought of it was because of the lakefront part of it because the so- soldier field is on the lakefront so we know that appeal to to not every to not only the bears organization but to the people who attend the games and here you have Kevin Warren, who apparently when he, uh, the last stadium that he helped to design um, was talking about, I guess in Minnesota, the, the feel of being inside out, to having this open. So it's not a, it's not a, a retractable dome, but the dome has this, all this light that comes through. So you have the feeling of being outside and you can see outside. Well, where else would you want that except on the lake? I mean, we, that is that is the one asset that this city has over every other location there is. And you wouldn't want to take advantage of that from another perspective. Yes, it's beautiful from the South perspective. And those people who haven't seen the, 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 the skyline, where you can look at the skyline, which we've got one of the most fantastic skylines in the world. Yeah. No, I, I could tell you, uh, uh, there's, it, 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 it's a hurdle. And I'm going to speak from personal experience on a much smaller scale. It's a hurdle to get Northsiders to think Southside in this city. The city is so tribal. West side, south side, north side, you know, the rivalry, the attitudes. When Maya and I do our show in Hyde Park, first Tuesday in Hyde Park, this is where it gets pearl. I'm like trying to convince Northsiders to come to Hyde Park (laughs) University. (laughs) Del Marie, you don't know. You have no idea. Well, but it's so far. I'm like... (laughs) No, I know. I mean, I've had people say, well, Ida's Legacy has events on the south side. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I have events downtown too. You don't have a problem with that, but heaven forbid I spend money with black people. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Community wealth. How you build community wealth is by 
having a dollar turnover more than once. Mm -hmm. You cannot build community wealth if to if I go into the Arab owned store, spend my dollar, and at the end of the day, he takes it back to his community and it never gets to circulate in my community. So you keep wondering why we don't have wealth because we're spending billions of dollars outside of our community every day and nobody's bringing any money into the community. So you want to address these, these, uh, these problems that don't seem to ever go away. That's how you address them. Yeah. And that's one of the many reasons why I don't want to go down this path, but I'm a big believer in public schools and public institutions. When they go to charter schools, the residency requirements go out the window. So it's the exact opposite of what you're doing. When you ask city workers to live in the city of Chicago, they are going to be circulating your tax dollars in the city of Chicago. And I don't understand why as a basic economic development principle that seems to elude the, the leaders of our city as they promote all kinds of privatization schemes where the money leaves the city of Chicago, does not circulate the city of Chicago. They'll pay their workers less who may live in Chicago. They'll get paid less. They won't be union labor, but the money will go to the people who own the, the firms who don't live in Chicago. And speaking of which, the Skyway, the very road that uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza pointed out, has a stop right down the street from uh, the steel mill site. Right down the street from there, it's as close as any connection for Soldier Field. That, hey, I think she told me the toll is six dollars. Uh, six, man, it's been a while since I've been. I've been. I haven't been on the Skyway since last uh, summer. Man, six dollars is so much freaking money. That money is not going to Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's going to the people that Daily sold the Skyway to. Exactly. So we we just don't have that basic fundamental knowledge. And what, and what I found is people will go north. I mean, we'll go south who live on the north side. They're willing to go to the south side. Look, they went to the Dave Matthews concert and that came up. That was just a few weeks in planning. That wasn't a year or two years in the planning. That was a spur of the moment. Let's try this and let's see what happens. And thousands and thousands of people flocked to the South side to that location for the Dave Matthews concert. So they will, if they want something. Yeah. And people used to go to the checkerboard lounge. I didn't go to the checkerboard lounge <laughs> and the lines would be around the corner. Yeah. And so don't tell me that white people won't go where they want to go when they want to go. And if it's something they want, they will bears fans will definitely go to a South side bear stadium. I know bears fans. I know they're going to watch their beloved bears. Okay. They're not going to not go. Well, it's a South side. I can't go. Uh, <laughs> no, they're going to go and Arlington Heights. Well, once, once, you know, the, I mean, to show you how steep that is, that kind of thinking is, I never will forget when um, uh, Bert, um, and I've gone blank on his name, the, the Alderman. Terrorist? Bert no, the Alderman. No, 40 second. the ahead. Alderman who just left, who was the financial. Oh, Ed Burke. How can you forget that? Yeah, Hell, Ed yeah. Burke. Ed I just Burke. I went blank on his name for a second. I wow, never will forget when he said you're putting it out of your mind, but go I ahead. Know. <laughs> I know there's only so much room on the hard drive. And I never will forget when he said 
that if you named Lakeshore Drive after a black man, nobody would ride on it. <laughs> so that's, that's your honor, Right. That's how that's how steep this is instilled wow. in people. That is some deep stuff. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's your alderman. That's the guy who ran the finance committee. Yeah, that's the guy that Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Daley thought was the best suited person in the city of Chicago to run the finance committee. That's the guy. Heck of a job, Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daley. All right, we'll move on from the Bears uh, to get into national politics. Delmarie covers the waterfront, as they say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, we're going to take a deep dive into some national politics. But before I do, you know, it's the same argument you've been advancing for the third airport. You've been on the show several times talking about a third airport in the south suburbs. Jesse uh, Jackson Jr., that was his dream. He ran afoul. And we had this conversation yesterday when we were before we did the show or pre-show planning. Say what you will about, uh, I used to call him Baby Jackson, uh, Jesse Jr. You know, he um, he lost control of things, ran a follow law, paid the price, had to step down, did some time, et cetera, and so forth. But when he was the congressman, I had the feeling, uh, as challenging as he could be, that he had a vision and drive and ambition. And it was like personal ambition merged with district ambition, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, Donnie Trump's got personal ambition. It's all about him. But Jesse uh, Jr. was going to use his personal ambition to advance in politics to help his dis- district. That's how I always thought of by bringing an airport to his district, by being bringing federal funds to his district. He's the one who got the brought the money in to extend uh, South Lakeshore Drive and, and pave it over. So you could go to the doorstep of this site to help develop it. And he was uh, the one who had the vision for the development that the McCaffrey interests had created. I mean, it was going to be housing. It was going to be um waterfront property as well as a harbor a marina it was going to be all those things because he was going to take advantage of the natural assets one of the things i uh, one of my conversations with him when he got elected was i said you know the biggest hit against the civil rights leaders is that they're tree shakers and not jelly makers i said i said and that's you know, that's what your father is accused of being a tree shaker. I said, so what I'm advising you to do is to be Jesse plus. And that is not only shake the tree, but make sure you get something done. And, and so that to me is what he was. He was Jesse plus because he, from day one, not only did he have a vision, but it might have been his illness. It might have been the fact that he was OCD, but he was obsessed at making sure he took something to the end, that he not only started it, but he finished it. He had one of the best voting records in Congress. Even with him missing six months due to his illness, he had the second best voting record in Congress behind Dick Durbin. No, no, he, he, okay, we're on a, a field tangent here, and we get, I'll get back to Trump, but I'm going to put this about uh, Junior, Jesse Junior. Uh, and again, he ran a foul of the law. I know all that. So, listeners, don't send me the emails trashing him. I know everything that happened to his career, but I'm saying this. That's what's man, sad. And that's what's sad about it because it, it hurt, it not only hurt him, it hurt the people of Chicago. 
That's what, that's my sadness is because the airport didn't happen. This site didn't happen. And these are things that were advancing the quality of people's lives. These are things that were going to deter the crime. These were things that were going to address the tax base for these schools and public education. That's what, to me, I feel like, how did you do that? <laughs> See, okay, so now we're going into a different uh, discussion, but I'm going to have it since we're here. This is one of my pet peeve about uh, our congressional district. Follow me on what I'm about to say. Being elected to Congress out of Chicago is like in the minds of the people elected, a ticket out. Thank God I'm out of Chicago. I am gone from Chicago. Barack Obama could not wait. This is a joke about Barack Obama. He could not wait to get out of Chicago and go to the Senate. Okay? Rahm Emanuel, the same way. He couldn't wait to get out of Chicago. He barely lived here and he was already running for Congress. <laughs> Junior was one of the few Congress people who actually thought about reshaping his home district. Most Chicago congressmen leave Chicago and they act like they're not even from Chicago. They don't get involved in local issues. They don't get involved in local disputes because they don't want to run afoul of the mayor. They don't want to uh, have political interference on the home front. They, wanted, they want peace. So think about it. I can't think of any significant development that's been driven by a congressperson. They leave Chicago. So I'm hoping that, you know, Jonathan Jackson, for instance, Junior's, Jesse Jr.'s bro brother, who's now the first congressional, he, he could take this mantle up. Now, I know he's a rookie. He's just learning the ropes. So give him time, et cetera, and so forth. But I do believe we're, we, we're at a disadvantage, uh, Delmarie, because so much of the funding for things like this will come from the feds. So much of the approval has to come from the feds. Some of the funding could come from the feds. But there needs to be an active connection between a congressperson, uh, their clout they have in Washington, and their aspirations for their home uh, district. Your thoughts? No, you have to have the clout. You have to be able to pick up the phone and make those calls, those personal calls. Um, I mean, when you talk about uh, one of the things that Jesse Jr. could do, whether it was because he could do it or through his dad initially or because of the other congressmen he knew who he had who had, knew him from birth uh because when he ran charlie rango came here to ca to campaign for him um uh john conyers came here to campaign for him maxine waters came here to campaign for him these were people who saw him from birth and so he had those connections jonathan has those connections and you have to be able to pick up the phone and advocate for what it is you want to have happen in your community. I mean, you're not only talking about the, one of his first things that Jesse Jr. did was address the water problem in Ford Heights, something that they had been dealing with for, for years before he came along. He, as you mentioned, he extended uh, Lakeshore Drive in hopes of it incentivizing development. Um, the, the Pullman National Park, I mean, he came up with that idea and everybody thought he was crazy then. <laughs> he was poo-pooing. It was the, one of his last acts. And and soon as it was approved, everybody and their mother came running to the news conference to take yeah. credit for it <laughs> because he was off the scene. Yeah. Uh, but no, that he he's one of the few people who not only, as you said, uh, advocated for his district and saw that as his incentive, 
uh, that to get things done. And that was also a conversation I had with him when he first got elected was, you know, as a congressman, you pass bills and, you know, yes, they're good for the country, but a mayor actually gets to see the good he does on a micro level. And I think he took that and, and said, you know, I can do this on a micro level too from a macro uh, position. Yeah. And I, and that's what he did. And the only other person I know who really did that in that way was uh, William Dawson. Uh, because when, when uh, John Kennedy, President Kennedy, who credited Dawson for helping him win, offered him the postmaster general position, and he would have been the first black man to have that position. He said, no, I can do more for my people right here than I can do from that position. You're going way back in time uh, for younger listeners, meaning anybody younger than the age of, I don't know, 60. But William Dawson was a congressman from the 1st Congressional District, uh, and he was the congressman. Uh, we won't go down this road, uh, but was like when the transition uh, in voting from Republican to Democrat occurred, started to occur in the Depression, uh, he was uh, he was in position of power to benefit from that close ally of Mayor Richard J. Daley. I would argue that Mayor Richard J. Daley, daddy of the mayor, you guys know, youngsters, would not have been elected mayor in 1955 uh, if without the support of William Dawson, a subject for another time. Um, because I could go on and on about the, <laughs> some of the bad things I thought William Dawson did, but we'll we'll leave that. Uh, all right, we have a new mayor in Chicago, uh, and uh, his name is Brandon Johnson, six weeks in. Uh, I just wrote a column today uh, taking great delight in all the establishment figures uh, who suddenly are like rhapsodizing about uh, how wonderful and glorious Brandon Johnson is, even though many of them uh, spent the uh, mayoral election season uh, like in primal fear at the thought of a Chicago teacher union uh, organizer being elected mayor of the city of Chicago. Uh, Demaria, I have to laugh out loud at their like, they're exclaiming, oh my God, he's so nice. He's so civilized. Like they expected him to start quoting Marx and Lenin or something and start singing Woody Guthrie songs to them when he met him. Uh, your thoughts about uh, Brandon Johnson's first six weeks? No, that's exactly one of the things I said the day of the inauguration to a reporter is that, you know, um, Chicago is not going to fall into the lake and, and um, he is not going to, uh, you know, kill the city. Or, you know, Chicago is the economic engine. It is an economic engine for the rest of the state. And um, he's he understands that. So we're going to see the business community come around and realize that Chicago is not going to hell in a handbasket because uh, Brandon Johnson is the mayor. So, no, I'm, I'm as interested in in this discovery by them as you are, uh, especially the Chicago Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, Jack. Oh, my God. What a great guy. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't think they ever met a lefty in their life. That's the problem. You guys got to get out more, right? I've grown up around them. You just, if you, you don't even have to meet any. Just call me up. I'll tell you what they're like. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, what is it, too early to draw any conclusions about what Brandon Johnson's going to be doing with his new power? Uh, have you seen any trends that uh, either, uh, you know, positive trends that excite you or negative trends that have you concerned? Well, the one thing I would hope that he does uh, or doesn't do, 
I don't know. It depends on from what vantage point you're at. Um, you know, I, I, I understand him extending an olive branch to the business community, to the Chicago establishment, but don't bend over too much for the establishment. I mean, one of the reasons why he got elected, and you always have to remember why did people elect me, is they re elected you because they wanted something different. They elected you because they wanted, they were hoping you would be radical, not radical in a bad way, but radical enough to see the, what the city of Chicago needs. Your whole thing about investing in people, something that they haven't seen in decades. We've seen the disinvestment in people, the disinvestment in communities, the disinvestment in schools. And so you've got to keep foremost in your mind, why were you elected? So extending the olive branch to the so-called establishment to prove to them, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not the worst thing that ever happened. You cannot forget your base. You cannot forget why you won. You cannot forget the progressives who are out here who've been in the trenches for years and years and years fighting the good fight, fighting uphill when everybody was coming downhill. Uh, you've got to make sure you surround yourself with those people as well, because they don't owe anything to anybody. Because they were fighting when everybody was against them. And so when it comes to who's going to be loyal to you, you make, you make sure you've got the right people around you, not the people who were loyal to Daly, not the people who were loyal to Rom. And now you think they're going to be loyal to you. Yeah, I, uh, that's well put. That's a good riff. Uh, like I said, it's too early. I generally kind of think uh, the, the honeymoon that I give with the mayor, uh, I, I usually try to make it through the summer. <laughs> I mean, Rom was really testing me every step of the way because he was so arrogant. Uh, but Mick Dumkey, my dear friend, can, can, will attest that I, I gave Rom until that first budget hearing he had uh, that I saw. It was at Kennedy King College, uh, and his performance there was so condescending and patronizing. That's when I left. I thought, all right, honeymoon over. Mm -hmm. uh, and I forget how long I gave Lori Lightfoot a honeymoon. I think the Anjanette Young incident finally pushed me over the top with Lori Lightfoot. So, yeah, honeymoon time still uh, for Brandon Johnson. All right, let's switch to Trump. MAGA has lost its freaking mind. Uh, Delmarie, I would love to get your thoughts about this. Uh, one example, just just like I'm watching. Uh, there's so many examples I could use, but this one popped in a newspaper the other day. I did not send you this article, so I'll summarize it for you. It was in the New York Times on Saturday, I want to say. Uh, and Republicans grudgingly embrace voting by mail. So this is an article about Republican tacticians who are trying to figure out ways that they can reverse the loss, which they won't even acknowledge as a loss uh, in 2020. And, and so they can prevail in 2024. And one thing they've come to the conclusion is that the war of the party against uh, by mail voting hurts them, which any logical person would have told them, because when you got like the party's filled with geezers, old people like myself, well, old right-wingers like you know i'm an old lefty so most of them would like want to vote by mail you know it would be easier for them it would make it easier for them to vote but no they waged war against voting by mail because it fired up their masses into believing that there's some huge conspiracy afoot 
that in which Democrats are stealing votes. And that's why Trump lost. They pushed this lie down the throats of MAGA and MAGA swallowed the lie whole. And now they're trying to reverse MAGA. It's like turning a huge liner, a ship around in a small harbor. Okay, MAGA, you got to turn around in this one. And so they're they're, they're putting this out, uh, this message voting by mail. And here comes Donald Trump. I just got to read you this quote. Uh, Mr. Trump, who has regularly voted by mail, falsely claimed in a recent speech that chain of custody issues involving mail ballots compromised election integrity. Quote, it's going to be corrupt whether it's I would never say this about our mailmen because we love our mailmen. But whether it's the mailmen or all the many people who touch those ballots, they find those ballots in rivers. They find them in streams. They find them all over the place. Many people got many ballots. End of quote. Del Marie, he is a lunatic. Like ballots and streams, ballots. And I mean, on one hand, it's funny. You know what I mean? On the other hand, he's a lunatic. And as long as he's in charge of the Republican Party, which he is, they will be embracing lunacy. Uh, Your thoughts? Well, one of the things he's done, and he's done so well, and we've seen it on multiple uh, levels, is that he's he's he lies so well and so consistency so consistently that his followers adopt whatever it is he says, and and they adopt it as fact and as gospel, and they believe it. And so then when he suddenly has a revelation and decides that, oh, no, <laughs> I better ch- I better change my story, just like with the vaccines. Oh, you know, all of a sudden, let me change my story. His followers didn't want to change because they believe what he said, because he had said it, even though, you know, this constant drumbeat. Well, it's the same thing with the with the uh, voting by mail by mail. He has you know, talked about it, that it was rigged, that that's why he lost, that they stole ballots and and they harvested ballots and they did all these things. And so now he's saying, wait a minute, we don't have a chance if we don't start doing this vote by mail. We're not going to win at all uh, because we're being outmaneuvered here. Uh, and now they're, they're still like, no, 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 you told us it was rigged. No, no, no. And so he's just too good. He's too good of a con man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he can't undo the con. You're absolutely right. That, the vaccine's another one uh, where he wanted to get credit uh, for, quote, unquote, saving the country um, from COVID by talking about the vaccine that was developed under his watch. And then he, I think he was booed at his speech. Uh, and, you know, MAGA is now against the vaccine, against Fauci. So it's like, oh, I better back off from that. <laughs> so you can't even take credit for something good he did. Right. Uh, because he sold so many lies to his people that they believe. Uh, so as we're, you know, we're kind of heading into the season. Uh, do you have any kind of premature thoughts, early thoughts on uh, the 2024 uh, presidential as just as we're heading into that uh, season? Well, you know, as a as a former reporter, at, and I'm sure you and I probably look at the news in the same way. Um, I mean, there are sometimes I'm just because the news, a lot of them are very establishment. You know, they want to. You know, the Republicans are talking about the media this and the media that. But when you're sitting there and you hear some of these questions, and from the way they're asked, you know, they're so establishment. I mean, we saw what they did with Hillary Clinton. Um, we, you know, we, and they're doing the same thing with Biden, as far as I'm concerned, every, every question is about his polling. 
oh, he's doing so bad in the polls. Um, there's never been a president who had a poll numbers this low, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, if you start every question like that, you're already planting in people's minds that there's something, uh, the fact that he's old. Well, Donald Trump is no spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why do we talk about 80 and 77? I don't see the difference myself. <laughs> you know, they're both old. But, and I would like a younger president, but I gotta say that I have not been disappointed with Biden. I mean, I've had, I mean, believe me, I'm not 100% with any, any of them because I certainly wasn't 100% with him selecting uh, Rahm Emanuel for his ambassador of Japan. And I made that clear. But uh, for the most part, he has done a good job. He's done a better job than some of our recent uh, presidents. And I think we need to acknowledge how much he has accomplished instead of keep talking about his poll numbers. Yeah, no, I uh, on the issue of Biden being old, uh, you raise that, and I smile at that because uh, I am as guilty as anyone of just mocking our leaders. I, I admit that, uh, Del Maria, I've done that my whole life, mayors, senators, presidents. Uh, there's things that they do that are just so, they're such caricatures, they're funny. Back in the day, I used to love uh, making fun of Bill Clinton uh, and the way, you know, he tried to humanize himself by eating Big Macs and uh, whatever he was doing. Uh, I've since, as you know, really do not have a good opinion of Bill Clinton at all. But uh, so it's easy to make fun of Joe Biden because he's a caricature of an old man. <laughs> and it's easy to make fun of old men. And I know this because I'm advancing down that road. OK, and we are a very uh, inviting target. That said, I truly don't believe that people will vote against him in great numbers because he's old. I'm, I'm going to get your thoughts on this one. We have dealt with a lot of doddering mayors uh, in our life. I always point this out, man. They'd still be electing Richard J. Daly. Richard J. Daly. Oh, not talking about baby day. I'm talking about Richard J. He would be like 120 or something. And Chicagoans <laughs> would still be voting for him. They just love that daily. Uh, so your thoughts. Do you think that Joe Biden's old man persona is going to work against him in this election? I don't think it's going to work against him ultimately. Um, I, You know, I think in the early days, this is all they're concentrating on. Um, but when it comes down to the actual candidates, whoever they are, I mean, whether it's uh, Donald Trump or whoever it is, uh, you've got to start looking at records. You've got to start looking at more than just age. You've got to start looking at accomplishments. And yes, you know, our economy is still in flux. Uh, we have still have high interest rates. But look at all the jobs that are being created. I mean, you know, even the economists are befuddled by this economy because on the one hand, you've got the inflation. But on the other hand, you've got job creation that's, you know, 40 going north. And so they're trying to figure out what is, you know, we don't understand this because it defies logic. So I think in the end, um, many of the same reasons they voted for him in 2020 are going to be the reasons they vote for him in 2024. I mean, how as a Republican do you think, I don't care which Republican, 
do you think that you can advance uh, uh, all this legislation against women's reproductive rights and think that you somehow are going to get elected? How do you think that you can have all these bans in terms of uh, uh, book banning and, and, and race uh, discussions and all of these things that they're talking about and think that that's a winning message? What is a, how is that a winning message? You're not talking about anything of relevance. Everything is this social wokeness that you know, you've made into the biggest issue in the country. And that doesn't put food on anybody's plate. I mean, talk about issues that affect people's lives. Yeah, well put. I'm with you on that. I, I think that the notion that uh, the woke agenda the Republicans are, uh, have embraced as a winning ticket Mm, don't see it, <laughs> you know, just don't uh, see it. I know it'll rile, it'll rile up uh, MAGA and, the, you know, the hardcore MAGA, but I just don't see it bringing over people uh, to vote Republican. It, after a while, it's just too much. Uh, I will uh, leave you with this quote that was in this article I urged uh, you to read. We haven't time to discuss it. I urge um, Listeners to read it if you can. It's in the New York Times. Uh, Eric Lipton is the author. Shout out to Eric Lipton. Uh, Trump ties money and politics into Oman deal. Uh, and it's a story about how uh, the Trump family has cut a deal with the sultans of Oman uh, to uh, put their name. They're, they're not literally building it, uh, but they're putting their name on this massive development that's going there, which will include a golf course and a uh, a hotel called Trump Towers or something like that. Uh, so that name still means something. Uh, in places of the world. Uh, it is a horrific project uh, from an environmental standpoint. It's also a horrific project because they're using foreign labor that, that it's a, just one step beyond uh, slave labor, uh, uh, Delmarie. But the quote at the end, uh, the reporter is speaking to um, uh, one of the, the developers on the site, and he says this about Donald Trump. He doesn't know uh, who really much about Donald Trump, but he just says, Trump, he is your king from America. That's what he said. Uh, and here's Donald Trump and his family cutting deals uh, with Oman uh, and they've cut deals with Saudi Arabia. Uh, and they're just building up their fortune while he's fending off investigations, while he's running for president. I got to give him credit. He, he makes good use of his time, I suppose. Um, but it is like he's a king. You know, it's like the laws don't impact him, the rules don't impact him, conflict of interest doesn't impact him. He just plows on. What's good for him is good for him, and he's pursuing that. He's our king. And his followers think that, you know, because of that, he's smart. You know, he, he's a millionaire. He's a smart businessman. And so that's why we're following him, is because he's smart. They're not looking at the fact that everything he does is about enriching him and his family, and he could care less about the American people. Yeah. I think part of their allegiance is also due to the fact they hate people like you and me, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> uh, any last thoughts you want to make to the Bears who could be listening? Kevin Warren, maybe. Big fan of this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, any last thoughts you want to uh, offer him to uh, encourage him to come to the south side of Chicago? Take it away, Delmarie. Yes, I want him to listen to black people. <laughs> and, and come out and visit that site um, and and uh, not listen to the naysayers. And uh, I read all about him I, before I wrote the article. I decided, let me see what kind of man this man is. 
And from all indications, uh, I think he's somebody who would be receptive to at least visiting the site. Um, you know, one of the things I know that as a reporter, when you move to a different city, you're surrounded with your white colleagues who tell you where to live because you don't have time to look for a place. You've got to work every day. You've got to find a place within a month. And so they say, oh, this is a good neighborhood and that's a good neighborhood. And you wind up moving to all white communities. And I'm sure that's what's happening with Kevin Warren. They're directing him. His colleagues are directing him to where he should look. And he doesn't know where to look. He's not from Chicago. And that's where we come in. We step in and say, hey, let's put a pause button on this and get you to at least look at this site and think about it. And so that's, you know, I didn't just write a column. I'm going to make sure that there's some follow up. All right. Uh, by the way, how do folks get to subscribe to your newsletter so they can read the columns themselves? Is there an uh, easy way well, to do it? Yeah, the best way to do it is do it through Ida's Legacy. If you go to www.idaslegacy.com, you can actually subscribe on the on the homepage. At the very bottom, you can subscribe. And then it it um, I get your name for everything. Gotcha. And you'll get the emails will start coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, uh, Kevin Warren, I'll close with this. A little bit of Bears trivia for you. Chicago... Chicago used to be, well, still a very segregated city, uh, but back in the 60s, black people, even if they were famous entertainers or athletes, uh, had to live in black neighborhoods by and large because of segregation. And the greatest, well, Walter Payton's greatest running back, Walter Payton's the greatest bear of all time, in my humble opinion, but my favorite running back, I love the man, I idolize the man, Gail Sayers. Believe it or not, Delmarie lived on the South Side when he played for the Bears. He lived in South Shore. And so, Kevin Warren, just come home. Think about it as coming home. If you, <laughs> where Gail Sayers used to live, the great Gail Sayers, one of the greatest of all time. Thank you very much, Del Marie. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Okay, thank you. That's the great Del Marie Cobb. Uh, and uh, I also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. And I think Del Marie will agree with me when I say, producer Chris, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. Don't forget, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky show on Instagram at Benny J show and all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.